Hey, welcome to Church Online. My name is Bianca and it's uh, awesome to have you here at Church Online whenever you're watching, wherever you're watching. And if it is your first time here, a special welcome to you. Thank you so much for spending part of your week with us at New Beginnings Church Online. And if it is your first time and you're watching on our Church Online platform, it's super easy to connect with us. Simply hit the connect button right above me. And if you're watching on YouTube at a later date, doesn't matter, our digital connect card will always be right in the description below. Please fill it out. We would love to get to know you and meet you. And uh, we're gonna worship God with our giving today like we do every week at Church Online. And as I do every week at Church Online, I just wanna say a special huge welcome to everybody who calls New Beginning Church home and faithfully gives there. You make church happen every week and we are so grateful for you. And uh, it's super easy to give at Church Online. If you're watching at our Church Online platform, the Give button is right above me. And if you're watching on YouTube, the link to give is right in the description below. And if you ever have any questions about what tithing is or what offerings are, we would love to help you answer any questions you have. If you're watching at Church Online and you have questions, you'll see the chat is right there. Simply ask a question or privately chat with one of our hosts. And if you're watching on YouTube, please comment. Let us know. We would love to talk to you about that. And uh, this weekend at Church Online, our lead pastor, Joe Source, has an awesome message prepared for you called Fresh Start. And it's all about having a fresh start in your relationship with God. It is such a powerful message. And um, I know you're gonna be encouraged by it. I know you're gonna be blessed by it. So make sure you take notes, get your Bible out wherever you're watching. It's gonna be an awesome message. And I pray that you open your heart to receive from God's word today. And I'm gonna pray real fast over the offering and then we'll head over to Pastor Joe. Father God, thank you so much for everyone who calls New Beginnings Church home, Father. I thank you so much for everyone who faithfully gives and tithes and makes offerings to New Beginnings Church, Father. I know that you'll bless them, Father, for their obedience, for you putting for putting you first in everything they do, Father, especially in their finances, Lord. And we thank you so much for everything you're doing in the lives of these families, Father, everything you're doing, whether they're giving for the first time today or they've been giving for 10 years, Father. I know that you see them, Father, and they know they'll be blessed by it. Father, we thank you so so much for everything you're doing in this service, Father. I pray the message that Pastor Joe brings would change people, challenge people, bring comfort to people, Father. And we just thank you so much for everything you're doing in this church, Father. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So let's head over to Pastor Joe Soros for his message, Fresh Start. Welcome. I welcome you all. I'm glad that you're here. For those that are going to be watching this online, we will be taking communion together at the end of this message. And so for those of you that are watching from home, please go ahead and get yourself ready for communion. Get some type of a cracker, wafer, whatever you have, a piece of bread or some type of juice and have that ready for the end of the service. And we will be taking communion together here. And so uh, go ahead and do that. So um, I'm glad to be here to be able to uh, bring this message because I think it's, 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 very relevant for the time that we're at right now. I think it's uh, you're going to find that it reflects a lot of what either you've been going through or someone that you know have been going through. Um, if you are like the majority of people that are on the planet right now, most are seeking two things. Number one is a return to normal. Number two is a fresh start. Now, just about a week or two ago, I went to a local gas station here to kind of fill up the car was a young man in his probably early 20s, could see he was upset or frustrated about something, 
uh, you know, I said, how you doing? And, you know, what's going on? He goes, man, I, I just want to go back to 2019. And I thought to myself, well, that, that's not going to happen. So uh, we're better off going, skipping option number one and going right to number two. We are not going to go back. There's no way to go back to. And honestly, I don't know that any of us would want to go back to anything. We have this habit of romanticizing the past, and that's one of the points I'm going to be talking about in this message, how dangerous it is. So how about we go for a fresh start? We're not going to be able to go backwards, and I don't think we want to go backwards. We want to go forward, but let's go forward with a freedom to, to press into what is up ahead and just believe God for a fresh new start. How many of you would agree right now we need a fresh new start and probably every level of life? Amen. So um, fresh starts is, a fresh start is God's grace. It's, it's his ability coming towards us, flowing towards us to give us the grace because we're living in a world where all of us at one time or another are going to experience failures. We're going to experience detours, distractions, setbacks in life. Has anybody had anything like that happen to them? Yeah, yeah, setbacks or detours and distractions and failures. And let, let's be honest with each other and let's really just get it all out there. Life is made up of seasons. I don't know why we have a hard time realizing this. You know, we used to have a saying in, in when we were in retail business, you know, it can't be Christmas every day. You know, you might have a bad week or have a bad day or a bad uh, uh, season of life, but it's going to turn around. If you hang in there long enough, it turns around. How many of you know eventually a season's going to change? Amen. So don't get stuck in a season. Don't, 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 don't get yourself hemmed into one particular season. We're going to have seasons of victory, but unfortunately there's going to be seasons of defeat. There's going to be seasons of setback. Now that might go against what you're saying or what you're believing or what you're thinking, but if we're really going to be honest with each other, there are ups and downs in life. It's just the way it is. You know, like I said, you can't be Christmas every single day. But sometimes a defeat can come. And if you're not careful, it'll overwhelm you and it'll back you into a corner. And, and let's be honest with each other. Most of the time when we experience a defeat, we are experiencing the result of something that we did. And a lot of us don't want to admit that. No, we always, it's the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. Now, the devil really can't do much to a believer that we don't allow happen to ourselves. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Most of the times when we experience setbacks, when we experience uh, detours, when we experience or what you want to call them U-turns, whatever, it's based on a decision that we made. And how many of you know the worst thing you could possibly do is try to make an important decision in a season of hardship? How many know that? I know for myself, I'm sure you can say the same thing. Those that are watching can say the same thing. The worst decisions, the worst consequences you've ever had in your life were probably based on a decision that you made in a time of pressure. I know one of the worst things that I've said in my life and some of the things that I've put into action were the result of me saying, but you don't understand, I've got to do something right now. The, I have learned those are the worst words that I can speak during a time of pressure, during a time of hardship, during a time of difficulties. Because emotionally, you're not prepared at that time to make the decision you need to do. Now, can I share a little secret here? Because we, we as Christians, we as believers do not like that word defeat. We don't like that. I don't like it, but the fact of the matter is, there are going to be times where you're not on top. 
Okay, it's just a matter of, it's just life. But let me just share this secret with you. A defeat doesn't always have to be a complete disaster. Sometimes we learn priceless lessons from loss. And when we get the gold out of those situations that were lost, okay, we learn things that you couldn't put a price on. Okay, I'll give you an example. Uh, many of you know our history. Many of you know our background. Um, we, we experienced bankruptcy. Thank God now it's a few decades ago. Probably, when was it, 92, 91, 92? Um, we experienced, ba- I mean, bankruptcy, wiped out. Okay, it wasn't a bankruptcy like some people you go and you file a plan and they let you pay off your bills. No, this was everything's going on the chopping block. This was it. Okay, and that was a very tough time in our lives, extremely tough time, especially we had four young children at the time who were like to eat and, uh, you know, like to have a roof over their head. And so it was a very, very challenging time for us. And I know some of you probably gone through those same things. But I will tell you this. We learned some things during that time. I, there was not a school on the planet that I could go to to learn some of the lessons that we learned during that time. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you been through a hardship like that? That there's no, there's no curriculum, there is no online school, there's no in-person school that you could possibly go to. There were some things that you're going to learn going through hardship. Hardship has... Uh, there's a component about it that when we learn those things, then you look back and you go, man, this wasn't really, I mean, it was tough. It cost us everything financially, but there were life lessons learned there that we, there's no place you can learn that, especially about my own self. I had to, it gave me the opportunity to really do an inventory on the inside and understand how much faith do I really have? Do I, because you know, you don't, you don't, there's something about faith that you don't realize the depth that you have. You don't realize the magnitude of what you have faith until you're put in a position to really dig in there. And when it's just you and God, and that's it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's when you really find out what kind of faith you have. That's when you really find out the depth of the experience that you've had with God. It, it, it's, it's amazing the way we saw God move during that season. And I'm telling you, I look back and after these 24 years of pastoring now, I look back and I go, you know what? We would have never had success in this ministry if it were not for some of the things that we learned during those really hard years. Amen. During those times when you didn't know what was going on. And, 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 and as a young family, of course, at that time, you know, we were young. We're still young. <laughs> but we were younger, okay? And so one of the things we had to learn was until you're in a position like that, you really don't know how much pride you're still holding on to. And let me tell you something, that kind of hardship, especially a financial bankruptcy, that will, man, that'll knock the pride out of you. Okay, in times when we literally, again, having four kids to feed and no money coming in, no income, no job, no, no nothing coming in. And we were forced to live by getting groceries from the church that we're in. And the church that we were in at that time didn't have the kind of, um, um, I don't want to say passion, but didn't have the kind of understanding of what it was like to have to go through those kind of things. Like now we have our food pantry here on site. We have we do everything possible to make sure when people come that their dignity is protected. We, we make people, you know, make sure they don't feel humiliated and stuff. But back then, they used to give the groceries out right after church service on Sunday. So you're walking through the crowds and everybody's watching you take your bags of groceries. Anybody know what I'm talking, how humiliating that is? 
You know what I'm saying? So uh, that literally fueled us to run our food pantry in a completely different way. But you see, I wouldn't have had that revelation. I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have been open to seeing, man, we got to make sure we never let people feel like this. And nobody was doing it out of evil intent. It wasn't like people were doing it on purpose to make us feel humiliated. We just didn't see it any other way. It wasn't like here, like the hundreds and thousands of people that come through here on a yearly basis, uh, sometimes on a monthly basis. You know, it was just a few people that were being fed. And that stood out to us. That really, but what we learned we learn not to not to pay attention to maybe people's wisecracks or maybe people's, you know, looking down at you and stuff like this. We learned, hey, you know, God's going to take care of us. We're not worried about this. It's if you feel this way about us, then obviously you have the problem. Amen. But uh, what a point I'm trying to make is here is that we're not going to experience fresh starts until sometimes we go through some things because most of us don't want the pain most of us don't want to experience the discomfort of a fresh new start unless you're so desperate that you no longer want to stay where you were before. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Most people stay in abusive situations because it's so uncomfortable to get out of that because your, your life and your mind is so full of what if and what if and what if. Well, my situation is bad, but the devil I know is better than the devil I don't know. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I hope there's not too many people in here that have experienced this. But most people stay in wrong situations and in desperately dysfunctional situations because they're so concerned about the different and the new and the what ifs. Anybody? Yes. Okay. All right. So you got the point. I can move on from here. So. Again, the secret to this, the secret to going through a season that looks like defeat is understanding. Yeah, I might not be accomplishing what I thought I was, but I'm not coming out of this season empty handed. I'm going to come out of that season of defeat knowing this is what I'm going to do next time so this doesn't happen again. You know, I remember talking to uh, that time, uh, the person that was my pastor when we first started this church, and he's gone home to be with the Lord. And, and uh, I said to him one day, I said, you know, Pastor Dave, it seems like everything I've learned is what not to do. And he said to me, you know, Joe, that's the most important lesson you're ever going to learn in life, what not to do. Okay, especially when you observe in some other people's lives. I like to learn from other people's mistakes. I'm sure you're the same way. I'm going to make enough original ones of my own. I don't want to repeat them again. So I watch and I observe and I try to learn from, okay, well, this person tried this and this didn't work very well. So I don't think I'm going to go in that direction. So again, but you see, you and I would not be prompted to even press in. We wouldn't be prompted to really press into God if there wasn't a season once in a while where you have no choice but to depend on God. Are you listening to me? Now, the bad thing about this is a lot of people never experience a fresh start in life because they got comfortable. And they tolerate things. And sometimes you just got to get angry. And sometimes you just got to get mad. I'm getting off my notes here, but let me get back on here. So the fact is, we're going to go through setbacks. There's going to be distractions. There's going to be detours, but there's also going to be opportunities for a fresh new start. And so in order to have a fresh new start, there's going to have to be some steps to take 
before we can experience that. I'm probably not going to finish this all in this message. Probably uh, There'll probably be a part two to this. But the first thing I want us to go to and to understand, number one, we're really not ready for a fresh start until we take inventory. And most of us don't want to take inventory. What do I mean by taking inventory? I mean settling back, not being so, so, so much in a hurry to get out of your situation. Because if you don't take inventory, you're going to take your whole situation into the next season. Amen. How many of you know or how many have been one of the people who at some point in life packed up your bags and moved to Florida? How many of you know people have done that? How many people almost did that? How many people did it and came right back again? Why? Because there's people doing it right now. There's people planning right now. Yeah, I'm getting out of this state. The taxes are ridiculous. I hate it here. I love the warm weather. I want to be down there. It's so nice. Florida, so palm trees, beautiful sunsets. And then you get there. And you realize this is no different. The only difference here is the temperature. I, my hope, all my problems came with me. Yeah, because you didn't stop to take inventory to realize, just like you would when you pack your house, I'll take that and that I'm not taking. Uh, I need this, this I don't need. We don't do that. We just automatically assume because when we change geography, we're going to change our life. And it doesn't happen. Ask me how I know. It doesn't happen. Why? Because you brought you where you went. And God does it. That, was, that is useless. It is a useless expense of time. It's a useless expense of resources. It's useless uh, expenditure of emotions. You got yourself all excited. And then when you got there, you walked into that new house and you looked in the mirror and you went, oh, you're here. Because <laughs> we expect magical change. We expect, you know, the Holy Ghost is going to come with a magic wand, boom, boom, boom. And everything. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. David understood this concept really well. Many times throughout his life, he went to God to check out his own heart. Did you hear what I just said? He went to God to check out his heart. Who better to enlist in in an inventory? Why? Because he's the only one who knows every detail about our life and still loves us. Plus, he's the only one who's going to be honest. You're, you know, we're not honest with each other. We're not. And, and sometimes it's extremely uncomfortable to be brutally honest with one another. You know, I came in, I came in the office today and I went over to Pastor Beth and I said to her, does this shirt look like a maternity top? And, and like she wasn't brutally honest, because if she were brutally honest, I would have went home and got changed. She's trying to be nice, and so I stand before you with a maternity top on. But David knew, if I'm going to get an honest inventory, this one's going to come back to haunt me. I could see it all over Facebook. So, all right, let's. So, so David understood if I'm going to get an honest inventory, 
I've got to go to God. And out of those times, we have recorded for us some of the Psalms. Listen to Psalm 139. Starting in verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. That's what we want. We need somebody who's acquainted with us. Somebody's not going to let us get away with stuff. Okay? Verse 4, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Now, I've been married to my wife for, what's it going to be, 40, 44 years? 44 years this year. She knows what I'm going to say. I know what she's going to say. But there's a difference between you having somebody who knows what you're going to say and someone who's going to be honest enough with you to tell you you shouldn't say that. How many of us would, would not be in some of the problems that we got ourselves in if we had somebody who was honest enough with us to say, I know where you're going with this. Don't say it. Don't do it. Amen? God will do that. He loves us enough to do that. Verse 23, that same chapter, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Man, that's brutal honesty. And, and, and listen, it is good for our soul for us to go to the place in God and say, look, something's not right here. That's the first step, is being willing to say before God, I don't really know what's going on here, but some, I'm not feeling right. Something, I don't mean physically, something's not right here. I'm thinking things I shouldn't think. I'm considering stuff I shouldn't consider. Come on, you fill in your blanks. Uh, I'm, something, there's, something's not right here, God. So, something's got let in or something is, I'm tolerating something that I wouldn't have tolerated before. You're all looking at me like, oh, you're important. No, don't tell me you don't have those conversations. Amen. At least if you were honest, you would have those conversations. And allow God to speak back. Allow God, the Holy Ghost in us will show us things. You realize that, right? He's not just there for you to feel goosebumps. He's not just there for you to spout out in tongues every once in a while. The Holy Spirit resides in us because he's supposed to teach us and he's supposed to lead us into paths of truth. But if you're not willing to listen to truth, the Holy Spirit is going to go, talk to me when you're ready. Because I'm not wasting my breath. Amen. David had experience in this way. So, so are, are, are you really wanting a fresh start? Because if you're really wanting a fresh start, it's going to require being honest with yourself. And, you know, sometimes we create our own fantasy world. I don't know if, that, if you're like that. You know, many people create their own fantasy world. You convinced yourself that everything is okay, but your world is falling down around you. Everything is crumbling. Other people can see it. You can't see it because you don't want to be honest with yourself. And there's a word for that. It's called denial. And just because you deny something doesn't mean that it's not a reality. Man, I feel like I'm talking to myself here in this message. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. All right, good. King David knew, he thought that no one knew about his fling with Bathsheba. You remember the story? He figured he got away with his adultery. He got away with having her husband killed. 
So much so that God had to send a prophet named Nathan to confront David's sin. Now, thank God, that's God's mercy. That's God's mercy. I've told this story before. I remember many years ago when we were still in the restaurant business, there was a six-month period that I couldn't get to church. We had bills to pay. We had, you know, the business wasn't going very well. I had to stay open seven days a week just to, just to survive. Okay? Now, I was putting on a good front. My wife would come home from church, and she would bring me little cassette tapes. How many remember cassette tapes? Right? The, the pencil, you had to wind them up. So she would bring me cassette tapes, and I would listen to them during the week, you know, when I was at work and stuff. But it's not the same thing. Just like it's not the same thing when people are watching online. And praise God, we're glad that you're here. But it's not the same thing as coming in person. It never was. It never will be. So I would try to survive on these little cassette tapes, listening to the message, getting whatever I could out of it. And then one day, God sent somebody. And somebody said to me, how are you doing? And I went just like you would. Oh, wonderful. I'm doing great and fantastic. Business is is getting better, you know, because that's how we identify ourselves, right? Uh, You know, you identify who you are with what you do, and that's a dangerous thing to do, okay? So I said, everything's fine. And the person got in my face and said, no, how are you really doing spiritually? And man, I got so mad, I wanted to punch this guy right in the throat. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how dare you? I was, I had developed a fantasy world around me. Everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's, everything was not fine. The fact that I had to work seven days a week is an indication right there, something is wrong. Because God said you got to take at least one day to rest, and I wasn't, okay? But I thank God for the honesty of that individual, even though I wanted it. But I thank God for the honesty of that individual. Why? Because it started me on the path of taking inventory. Something's not right here. I shouldn't need to. I shouldn't have to work seven days a week. Now, you say, well, are you lazy? Lazy? (laughs) I've been working since I'm 12 years old, okay? No, lazy wasn't the issue. It was mistakes that were made. It was lack of faith. It was a lack of trust in God. Amen? But thank God for that person that came. And thank God for Nathan that came to David. Or you and I would not have Psalm 51. Okay? He confronts David's sin. The outcome is this. David gets angry because Nathan uses an illustration to get into the point, to understand you're wrong. But what resulted was David's confession and a repentance. Do we remember that word? You remember that word? It's in the Bible. Repentance. It means turn around, you're going in the wrong direction, and turn around the other way, okay? And he turned back to God. And he turned. not only did he turn back to God, but then God was able to turn David. Listen, listen, listen. This is the important thing about inventory. David was able to turn back into God's purpose for his life again. Amen. Confrontation. We're talking about inventory. Can't have a fresh start without taking inventory because it ain't going to be a fresh start. It's going to be a stale stagnated start, okay? Confrontation, got to take inventory. Confession, repentance, turning around, and then you get reestablished in the purpose that God has for your life. Let me show you in Psalm 51. Verse one, this is David just pouring his soul out to God after he got confronted over his adultery and over murder. 
Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithfulness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Wipe out my wrongdoings. Wash me thoroughly from guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my wrongdoings and my sin is constantly before me. Verse 4. Follow me, follow me, because we're going to show you all the components here. Against you and you only I have sinned. He's confessing his heart here. And done what is evil in your sight. So you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. In other words, saying, you were right, God, for sending Nathan to my house. Otherwise, I would have stayed on that path. Behold, I was brought forth in guilt, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. That's the most important place for us to have truth. Because we can fool one another, but we can't fool God. You desire truth in the innermost being, and in secret you will make wisdom known to me. Isn't that wonderful about God? Look at that. In secret you will make wisdom known to me. He loves us so much that even in the worst of our degeneracy, he loves us enough to deal with us one-on-one when we allow him to. There were certain things in David's life that needed to get dealt with that were very personal between God and David. Amen. That's why the biggest mistake you can make when you're involved in a situation like this where there's sin is to go blurt it out to somebody, another human being. Go to God first. Get wisdom from him. Well, don't we need accountability people? Yes, but you don't need blabbermouths. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. So look at this. Verse 7. Purify me with hyssop. That's a medicinal type of herb. I, I think most Bible commentators would agree it's, it's, uh, it's wild oregano. Say, so, well, that's great if I'm making pizza. No, oregano has antibacterial properties. Okay, so he's, he's realizing there's this thing that can cleanse me physically and heal me physically, but I need you to purify me as if you're using this medicinal herb. Okay, you got that? He said, Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Cleanse me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and wipe out all my guilty deeds. So here we got all of this. Verse 1 through verse 7 is confession. Confession. He's admitting to all that he's done. Here comes the fresh start. Look at verse 10. Created me a clean heart, God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And sustain me with a willing spirit. Man, that's that's fresh start. That's a fresh start. He's like, don't cast me away. Give me some hope here. Restore your joy to me. And sustain me with a willing spirit. Now, he's not talking about God having a willing spirit. He's talking about himself having a willing spirit. And honestly, if you and I could develop a willing spirit on my own, we wouldn't need God. But you and I need God to develop things in us. But you know that God is a gentleman, right? You know that God's not going to shove stuff down your throat. God's not going to force you into things. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? So, so look at this. He loves us so much. We can come to him with all honesty. Like, yeah, I've done all these things. I just, I'm not going to try to hide. I'm not going to try to justify. 
I've done all these things, but I need you, God, to develop in me a willing spirit. Now look what happens next. So verse 10, 11, and 12 is a fresh start. Now look at this, verse 13. He returns now to his purpose. Then I will teach wrongdoers your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. We've all had seasons in life where we're not walking in our purpose that God has for us. Why? Because we got stagnated. We got distracted. We got off into sin. We got, we got stuck in a season. And we were tolerating it because it, tolerating it was less painful than going to God and saying, this is what's happened here. This is what my life is like. This is who I really am on the inside. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Then David returned to his purpose. What was that? He said, then, when you do all these things, when I, when I get my sin, when I get this sin out of me, when I get out of this season, then I can return to my purpose. David says, then I'll teach wrongdoers your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. A fresh start always requires these steps. Confession repentance, and a turning back to God. No use talking about that dream on the horizon. No use talking about that if the steps are not being taken. You've got to get the gold out of the season that you're in. Well, I'm not in a good season right now. All the more reason. You've got to learn from the season that you're in. Or you're going to repeat that season again. Okay, anybody know people here that just go from cycle to cycle to cycle to cycle? A fresh start without these steps is just another distraction that will take you further from God. Further from God. When a person is not willing, of course, nobody in here is doing this. When a person is not willing to take that inventory, when a person is not willing to let God just tear out whatever needs to get torn out on the inside, they don't experience a fresh start. What happens then? They become hopeless. It's never going to change. It's always going to be this way. I'm always going to be stuck in this sin. I'm always going to be stuck in this cycle. I'm always going to be stuck in this season. And what happens? The person gives up and doesn't even think about a fresh start anymore. That's unfortunately. That is so unfortunate that it happens in people's lives. But thank God that the Bible is full of promises of fresh start from God. I love this scripture, Isaiah 43, starting in verse 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 19, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? That's, that's, a, that's, that's something unique to see God ask us that question. Do you not perceive it? He knows whether we perceive it or not, but you don't know whether you're perceiving it or not. Okay, let me read that again. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You and I have got to be alert to what God is doing in your life. Amen. We've got to be alert to that. How, how, well, how can I do that? Get in God's face. Spend time with God. Stop spending time with distractions. Be intentional about the time that you're spending with God. Unless, of course, you're very happy in the season that you're in, then just stay there and grow mushrooms. But if you want to move on with God, 
You're going to have to be intentional about the time you're spending with him. You're going to have to be very intentional about the honesty that you're bringing to that relationship. Isn't it ridiculous sometimes that we try to hide things from God? The creator of the universe, the one who knows everything, he knows every thought you've ever had from the time you were conceived to the time you will step into eternity. He knows every thought and we still try to hide things from God. Be alert. He said, I'm doing something new here. Don't you perceive it? Don't you see it? Don't you sense it? And sometimes we could be right in the middle of of some of the greatest things that God's doing and be totally numb to everything that's happening around us. It amazes me. I've seen it happen in services. We'll be in praise and worship and the anointing of the Holy Spirit will be so heavy in this place. And you have people sitting in the back. Of course, nobody here would do that. Spitting it back on their phone. God's healing people. God, the Holy Spirit is moving. It's, 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 it's almost like you could raise the dead in that atmosphere and you're still going to have somebody there. Yep. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's move on. <laughs> Let me tell you something. One of the most dangerous obstacles to experience a fresh start is Nostalgia. Nostalgia for the good old days. Oh, the good old days. The good old days. You ever, you ever have people around you in your life where they always want to bring you back to a point in your life where things were not good? Oh, I remember this and I remember that. And usually it's people in your family. Usually it's always people in your family. Well, I remember when you, yeah, I remember too. I was there, remember? And we romanticize things that were not good, even when you were going through it the first time. They were not good. But we have this habit, this, this thing in our human nature. In the book of Numbers, in chapter 11, the Israelites just recently get safe, set free from slavery. And as soon as they come out of slavery, they start complaining about the hardships of the journey to the promised land. It's classic. It's completely classic. Numbers chapter 11, verse 5. This is what they were saying to Moses. We remember the fish we used to eat free in Egypt. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There's nothing at all to look at except this manna that used to show up every day without any effort on their part except to go out and get it. And, and what, the first time I read this, I went, I'll never forget this. I mean, it was 30 odd years ago. The first time I read this went, what cucumbers? What fish? They were starving to death. They were slaves. They weren't free. They ate whatever was thrown to them. But look what happened. As soon as they got out of that season and they're starting to head towards the fresh start, what did they do? They romanticized what the old days used to be like. Why? Because it was easier to do that than look over what's, what might be over the next sand dune. Take us back. We would have been better off dying in Egypt. They better thank God that I wasn't there. I would have said, let's go right now. I'm going to drop you off on the other side of the Red Sea and go there by myself if I have to. Look at what they did. They complained within God's hearing. The fish we used to eat in the desert Where were these fish coming from? (laughs) The cucumbers. 
the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. They, they could have had their own food network. But none of it was true. None of it was true. But they, they longed for the good old days. And, and the truth about it is, God finally got to the point and said, you know what? Exactly what they're saying is what's going to happen. They kept complaining. We would have been better off dying in Egypt. We would have been better off dying than to be out here in the middle of this desert. They lost their vision. When you keep longing for the old days, you know what happens? You lose your vision. I'm going to be completely transparent with you. I very rarely have a concept that I've been doing this for 24 years. I'll step back and talk, 24 years? It seems like yesterday. I've never gotten into this habit of, oh, wow, it was so great back then. Yeah, we, we had fun times. We had some tough times. But you know what? I'm looking forward. I don't have time to be, keep looking back. I don't have time to keep looking back. I don't have any sense that, that we're 20, this is ministry is 24 years old. I have no sense of that. It's like, yeah, come on, what's next? What are we doing next? Am I lying? No. Well, you ask the people around me, what are we doing next? Where do we go from here? What opportunities is God opening up now? Amen. You listening to me? Yes. Don't, don't keep looking back. Don't keep, learn what you needed to learn, but keep moving forward and keep looking forward. Why? Because there's always another fresh start coming up that God wants to bring you into. He's been preparing it. He's been providing for it. He's been setting you up for it, but he's not going to take you kicking and screaming. You're not going to drag your feet across the desert. They had to walk. They had to keep moving. They had to go. Um, let me see if I'm going to get to that point here. Yeah. Romancing the, romanticizing about the bad times almost got them back in slavery. Be careful about how you speak about your past without Christ. You were a slave to sin. You were driven by Satan, just like they were driven by the taskmasters. And the discomfort that you might experience as a Christian doesn't compare to the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Don't ever forget, no matter how hard it may be right now, no matter what challenges, no matter what struggle you may be having on the inside, don't you dare give up. Don't you dare start looking backward. Don't you dare start longing for the good old days. They weren't good then. They're not good now. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We're talking about not having a habit of looking backwards. We're talking about God's promises for new, fresh starts. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Amen. Say this with me. One, two, three. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What part of that scripture don't we understand? He's saying the old days are gone. The old things are gone. The way God looked at you back then is gone. The only person who can keep you there is you. Have an expectation for new. Have an expectation for fresh. Have an expectancy that no matter what challenges you may be going through right now, there's something waiting for you on the other side of that that you can't possibly know what it's like right now. You can't possibly understand how exciting your life can be in the future. 
It's everything that God wants to do for you is on the other side of that yes. Come on, let's do this, God. On the other side of that expectation. Are you listening? So, the overwhelming theme of the word of God is out with the old and in with the new through Jesus Christ. He is the God of the second chance. He's the God of the do-over. Amen? And uh, the Bible is full of these fresh starts, fresh starts. Only six chapters into the Bible, and we see a fresh start. Noah comes on the scene. The flood is washing away the old and starting over in a new world. That's Genesis chapter 6. Go all through that. I don't have to read that because you know the story. Israel got delivered from Egypt after 430 years of being out of the promised land. God sends a deliverer to bring them home and gives them a fresh start. All of those people that left Egypt, none of them had a concept. They had never seen their promised land. 430 years in Egypt. Now, not all of that was in slavery, but let's just say maybe the last 300 years was slavery. These are generation after generation. Of their their great-grandfathers even, didn't even know what it was like to be in the promised land. Yet God sent a deliverer, brought him out, and kept his promise. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 10. God's speaking to Moses and through Moses to the people of Israel, said, the land you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt in which you have come, where you planted your seed and irrigated it by foot as in a vegetable garden. But the land you are crossing, the Jordan, to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It is the land that the Lord cares for. The eyes of the Lord, your God, are continually on it from the beginning of the year to the end. In other words, you were in a dry, parched desert. You had to depend on the river to get water. In Israel, where they were going to the promised land, they had abundance of rain. They had mountains. They had valleys. The rain could collect In Egypt, they had to irrigate everything. They had to have either a slave get the water from the river or they had to pump it themselves by foot with foot pumps and get the water from the Nile to wherever it needed to go. He's saying, it's not going to be like that in the new land I'm taking you to. But look what he had to go through to get them out of that mindset of being a slave and get them into the mindset for a fresh new start. Now, You're going to give me a few more minutes? Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take my time. One absolutely vital step in pursuing a fresh start is taking refuge in God while he prepares you for your fresh start. I want to say that again because so many people don't take this step. They don't recognize it. They don't take the time for it. One absolutely vital step in pursuing a fresh start is taking refuge in God while he prepares you for your fresh start. God provides a place of safety or protection and repair while the storms of life are swirling around you. God brought Noah and his family into the ark seven days before it began to rain. The ark is a place of safety, a place to gather their strength for the upheaval that sometimes accompanies the change that we need. Transition is not comfortable. Transition is not smooth all the time. Do you understand this? When you transition from one season to another, it can be full of turmoil. But if you don't seek that place of refuge in God and you think, oh, I'm just going to plow through this in my own, in my own willpower, in my own strength, <coughs> excuse me, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to be ready for this next start. You're not going to be ready for the fresh start. 
God gave them a week to prepare inside that ark before the rain started coming. They needed to work out some kinks. Maybe they needed to, maybe, you know, Noah and his wife and their sons and their wives, their sons' wives, maybe they needed to stake out, okay, this is going to be our corner of the ark and this is going to be our corner of the ark and you're going to be responsible for feeding these animals and we're going to be responsible for these other things. Maybe they had to work these details out. God didn't just throw them in there and then bam, here comes the storm. God's not going to do that for you. If you'll seek him, he'll put you in a place of refuge. He will put you in a place of safety so that he can prepare you. Like the Holy Ghost is like anesthesia. I don't know if you understand that or not. I don't want to go to a dentist that's not going to at least be sensitive to my sensitivity. I don't think many women want to go through childbirth without some type of a, okay, you don't want to go through surgery without some type of anesthesia. You understand what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is like a type of anesthesia sometimes. There is an anointing. There is a presence of the Holy Spirit that can come and surround you. All hell can be breaking out around you, but you get into that place of refuge. You get into that place of safety. And what's he doing? The Holy Spirit is working things in you. He's tweaking things. He's fixing things. He's changing your perception. He's changed. So you ever go into a season, you come out of the season and go, man, I'm putting up with stuff I would have never put up with before. I am, I am, I have a grace for things that I never had a grace for before. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That was the working of the Holy Spirit because you sought a place of refuge in him. You didn't try to just go march in. The Israelites are just trying to burst in to the promised land on their own terms. God's going, no, you're not ready. Let me work on you. You need to let them work on you. When the Israelites were escaping Egypt, Pharaoh decided he's going to chase them down and bring them back. Why? He's a free labor. As they approached the Red Sea, God took action so that Israel would not be full of fear. They wouldn't give up and they wouldn't be taken back in slavery. Look at what happened here. This is so interesting. We read this sometimes and we just go, Exodus 14. They've crossed. They're now at the, they've crossed the Red Sea. They're on the other side. No, excuse me, I'm sorry. This is before they were approaching the Red Sea. They've left Egypt. They've left Pharaoh behind all his armies. The angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. God is leading them. God will lead you into a place of refuge. But if you let him, he will then come around and surround you. That's exactly what he did. The Israelites are going towards the Red Sea. Pharaoh's chasing them. What does God do? He goes from before them, from in front of them. He established the direction they're going in, but then God comes and comes behind them between Israel and Pharaoh's armies. Okay? So it came, it came, excuse me, I'm rushing. Calm down. So the angel Lord who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and it gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near the other all that night. God became a place of refuge for them so that they, while they're 
pursuing this. They're going to come up to the Red Sea. They're going to be filled with fear. They're going to be filled. How's this going to happen? They don't need Pharaoh breathing down their neck. You and I don't need the enemy of our soul breathing down our neck, consequences from the past, family issues, relationship issues, financial issues, medical issue. We don't need all that stuff breathing down our neck when we're going from one season to the next. What does God do? If you'll allow him, he'll become that place of refuge for you. And you'll find yourself encapsulated in this place of peace that passes all understanding while he's preparing you to march into the next season. Are you listening? Psalm 61, Jesus is our ark. He's our pillar of fire. He's our, our place of safety. Psalm 61, hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle or tent. Alternate translation says presence. I will abide in your presence forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Man, that's where I want to be. I want to be in that high place. Psalm 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The name of Jesus is our place of victory. From a high elevated place, we can see where we've been and we can see where we're going. But you got to seek that place. Amen? Amen? Finally, 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 from that place of safety, it's always a tower. It's always a high place. It's the rock that is higher than me. In him, there's a place that you and I can come in the spirit. When we seek God, when we're intentional about the time we spend with him, there is a place that you and I can come to where we see even clearer the direction that God wants us to go, and he'll sustain you. It's never a clear shot. Anybody found that out yet? God, let me tell you something. In all these 36, 37 years of being a Christian, I have seen God will take you east to get you west. He'll take you south to get you north. It's never that clear. But there are times in the spirit when you seek him that he gives you that place to glance, gives you that place, that position where you can see. But he always takes you from season to season to season. Listen to this. I thought this was amazing about how God is. In the promised land, Israel, if you go study this out, as they were leaving Egypt, going through the wilderness, heading towards their promised land, Israel travels from well to well. You know what I'm talking about? A water well, an oasis. They travel from oasis to oasis, from a well to a well. They travel from places like Beersheba, the well of Sheba. They, they travel to places like Beer ha Roi, the, the well of God's presence. Each location, they stop to refresh, to refocus, and they prepared them for the fresh start that he had for his people. He's not, if you'll seek him, if you'll be intentional about your time that you spend with him, if you will spend time getting in God's face and pressing in, he will take you from a place of refreshing to a place of refreshing. There might be some desert in between. Hello? There might be some desert in between, but he will take you from an oasis to the next oasis. He takes us from grace to grace, from glory to glory. Don't be afraid of the desert that's in between. There's a well that's waiting for you. There is a spring of living water on the inside. And if you'll tap into him, 
the Holy Ghost, he will take you from the place of refreshing to a next place of refreshing. Uh, that, that's good news. That's good news. Finally, a fresh start begins with a time of consecration to God. That's your next step. Consecration to God. Before Israel left Egypt, God gave them a strong message. Get your homes, get in your homes and observe Passover. Get in your home. God said to them, tell Moses, Moses, tell the people, get in their homes, shut the door, partake of the lamb. Don't worry about what's going on outside. Don't worry about the noise. Could you imagine what they were hearing outside that night of Passover? Death is spreading all over Egypt. The wailing, the crying. It would have been very easy for them to attempt it to open up the door to see what's going on. God said, stay in your house. Cover yourself with the blood. Partake of the lamb. Then they were ready for their fresh start. Jesus prepared his disciples for a fresh new start that their lives would take by gathering them together in that upper room, away from the hustle and bustle of busy life in Jerusalem that was going on so that they could focus on the Lamb of God and gather strength for what was up ahead. Are you listening? A place of consecration. A place of, okay, God, I recognize that we're going into a new season now. You have that right to speak to the Father that way. Lord, I'm sensing that there's a new season coming. I'm sensing it. I'm sensing it mostly because I'm sensing the dissatisfaction that I have up until this point. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because your, your last season started out with a fresh season. But if you stagnate, it becomes a place of discomfort, dissatisfaction. That's not a bad thing. Dissatisfaction is sometimes a good thing. It prompts you. It moves you. It motivates you. But then you got to get to the place where you say, okay, Father, I want you to be my place of safety. I want you to take inventory of my life. I want you to show me what I can take with me, what I cannot take with me. Sometimes it's people you, you listen, sometimes it's people. We can't drag everybody with us in each season. Got to be sensitive. Okay, that always goes over real big. So you get to that place now where you've been in that safe refuge. He's preparing you. But then the next step, even, even just based on respect for God, the next step before you get into that fresh start has got to be a consecration. And you see that all throughout the Old Testament, of times when God was moving his people, there was some special celebration. There was a memorial. They celebrated Passover. There's parts in the Bible where it talks about how Israel hadn't celebrated Passover for decades and decades and decades. And then God's about to do something new. And what does he prompt him to do? It's time to celebrate Passover. What's Passover for us? Communion. Yes. Communion. So right now, let's make this a time of consecration before we finish Let's take hold of that communion cup you have. Those of you that are watching at home, I pray that you have something there, a cracker, a piece of bread, some type of juice. We here are taking that little wafer that's on top of this communion cup. And we are dedicating ourselves right now 
that if God is wanting to move you from one season into the next season, we are consecrating ourselves right now in this moment unto God for him to do whatever he needs to do in our lives, for him to take us through whatever he needs to take us through so that we're prepared, so that we're equipped, so that we're empowered for this next season. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this bread. I thank you for all that it represents, God. We recognize and we remember, Father, that on that night before Jesus went to the cross and the night that he was betrayed, that he took bread and he invited his disciples to consecrate themselves into the new and better covenant that you were about to bring them in, the covenant that we now enjoy as normal life. So, Father, we recognize the power of consecration. Jesus consecrated himself to you. The disciples consecrated themselves to Jesus. We right now consecrate ourselves to you. Giving permission to the Holy Spirit who lives in us to do whatever work he needs to do to prepare us for this next season, Father. We receive this bread right now, Lord with thanksgiving in our hearts, recognizing, remembering all that Jesus endured for us, that we would be ready for this next season. We receive this with thanksgiving, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and take that foil off the top of the cup. Thank you, Lord, for this time of consecration. Thank you, Father. Father, in the Old Testament, Lord, in the temple, you gave direction and instruction that nothing could be sanctified for your use except it be cleansed with blood. Father, we recognize the cleansing power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we just dedicate ourselves to you, Father, and consecrate ourselves to you, Lord. That by the blood of Jesus, Lord God, you'll prepare us for that which is up ahead, God. For whatever seasons you have in our future, Father, we seal our future unto you by taking this cup, Lord. We recognize, Lord, that it's the blood of Jesus that brought us back into relationship with you. And it's by that blood right now that we pay honor and respect to the Lord Jesus Christ. We seek your refuge, God. We seek your involvement in our lives. Take inventory in our hearts. Holy Spirit, show us the things that need to be removed, the things that need to be abandoned so that we can be prepared for this next season. We trust you to do this work in us by your Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for fresh vision. Thank you for speaking to the people that are here right now. Thank you for speaking to those that are watching this online. Thank you, God, for speaking encouragement to those that have been beat down, those that are in the season of defeat right now. I speak encouragement to you in the name of Jesus. Lift up your eyes. Look unto God. Press into him. Allow the Holy Spirit 
to take that inventory on the inside, that you'd be prepared for that which the Lord has prepared for you. Thank you, God, for blessing us. Thank you for preparing us, Lord. Thank you for fresh new seasons in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. I pray this has been a blessing to you. I hope that it has. Amen.